On today's program, we're going to talk to Stacy Giulianti, who is a little bit of an expert in all things hurricane-related. But what we want to ask is, does hurricane season ever truly end? My name is Trey Sinclair, licensed insurance agent and owner of Wells Insurance Agency in McClinney, Florida. One of the first lessons I learned in my insurance career is that it's important to maintain strong relationships with both clients and fellow insurance professionals. By staying in touch with people in our industry, we get to understand the victories and the challenges others are going through. Sometimes we've got to be willing to abandon our comfort zones behind screens and go out into the real world and make these connections. That's our purpose here at Insurance on Location. All right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Insurance on Location. I'm your host, Trey Sinclair, and we have a very special program today. We're talking to a very dynamic individual, Stacy Giulianti with uh, Florida Peninsula. He has seen a lot, done a lot, uh, knows an, an awful lot, uh, obviously a lot more than me. Um, but we're keeping the topic broad today because we could go in a lot of different directions uh, with Stacy. So, Stacy, thank you uh, for being on the program. Um, you're, you're a little bit of an expert in a lot of different areas, and I think one of the questions I uh, want to pose to you is, because we're in Florida, does hurricane season ever truly end? It's a terrific question, and again, thank you for having me on the on the on the podcast. I, I will take one issue with one thing you said, and that is um, that is about you. You're you're one of the best agents out there, and so I think people need to need to know that about you. You you uh, you're mighty humble, and I think that's also a positive. Uh, but, and uh, ladies and let, gentlemen, let he know. said that before the Venmo <laughs> even cleared. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> and now I'm doubling the uh, I'm doubling the charge, my friend. So uh, make sure you send that over. Um, no, but, uh, but, uh, thanks for having me. I know you have, you have a great podcast and, uh, and a great, uh, insurance office, but does hurricane season truly end? It's interesting because obviously you have hurricane season itself, right? You've got June 1st through November 30th, and you could have storms before and you could have storms after and we, we can talk about some of the stats and the facts and figures in past seasons that have really extended that season, but there's more. Right. As they say in, uh, in Saturday morning television. But there's more. And the more really is that there's a lot of planning. Insurance agents need to plan. Right. Consumers need to plan before the, quote, actual hurricane season that starts June 1st. Reinsurance companies have to start telling us as insurance carriers what the costs are going to be, what they're going to cover, who they're going to cover. Um, and those types of, of issues that you have to get through, you have to make sure you have correct pricing. We've got to have the right pricing. We've got to pay the right commissions to, to the agents. And so all of that is done before the season. Now, when the season, quote, ends, if there's any type of storm, um, because, you know, even this year, if you have you had uh, Elsa, but even in other years, when you've had major storms, the Irmas and the Wilmas and the Andrews, Afterwards, guess what? You've got claims you've got to work on for years. So right now, we're still dealing with claims from Irma and Michael, um, uh, among other storms. And so it's, it's important for people outside the industry, as well as for agents that, that don't always deal 
uh, in property coverages like this that, you know what, you're right, there really is no end. We're always working either before or after the hurricane season to really make sure that, that our, our companies and our, our customers are, are taken care of. I, I don't want to downplay your expertise in the Florida property market, which I, I'm not familiar with other property markets around the country, but I would have to assume Florida has to be one of the most difficult, if not, uh, you know, the most difficult probably worldwide um, because you saw such massive losses um, mounting last year. Uh, you touched on the reinsurance. There's all these complicated wrinkles and things uh, seem to always go wrong in, in Florida, but specifically about the, uh, the hurricane season, uh, you know, when we're talking about getting ready for hurricane season, assessing the losses after hurricane season, it kind of feels like uh, football in a way. You know, you look forward to football, then there's training camp, then there's, you know, the draft, then there's, um, you know, the preseason, and then after <laughs> – after the season's over, it's you're starting it up again, and uh, you know obviously hurricane season is uh, not as you know fun and, and exciting as as football, but um, there is a little bit of a, uh, an element to it where every, there's all this preparation that goes into it. Uh, there's a window of time um, you assess the losses, and then you you immediately start getting you know ready for it again. And on the agency side. I think uh, our consumers just, you know, their eyes glaze over at, you know, us telling them that they need batteries and fresh water and generators, et cetera. Um, really what they want us to do, um, you know, is be there for them after the loss occurs. And, um, you know, I, I kind of wanted to get your, your take on this. How important is it for the insurance carrier to... Um, really uh, respond quickly after a loss? It's um, probably one of the most important things you can do. And we find when we do our quality studies and our customer experience studies, and for instance, at our company, um, and like other companies, we have a uh, basically a director of uh, customer experience. And it's not really customer service, it's customer experience. Because we want to find out what customers want, regular customers in terms of policies, and also claims customers, meaning when you have a claim. And of course, agents are also our customers and how they, how they deal with us and how we deal with them. But as you noted, one of the things that we always find out in these studies is that the, the, as fast as you can get to people, the happier they're going to be, whether it's a catastrophe or whether it's just you know, uh, uh, something like a, a roof leak or something. The faster you can get to them and let them know that you care and let them know that you're going to be there behind them and with them and alongside them to help, the happier they are. And we have found that even if somebody calls on a claim that isn't covered, so obviously the homeowner's uh, policy is typically an all-peril policy. It doesn't mean it covers everything, as, of course, you and I know, but it covers a lot. But there are, of course, things that aren't covered or they're limited. And even in those cases where we have to tell somebody, listen, you know, that's just not covered by this policy. If we've been quick and we've been polite about it and we've gotten them the information rapidly and closed the file rapidly, they give us positive marks. And that's incredible. So it's not necessarily what you would think that, well, you know, if you give somebody $30,000 for their kitchen and they were expecting 25, they'll be happy. Sure, they'll be happy. 
Um, our job, of course, is to only pay the dollars that are due because we're, as a carrier, protecting the money that all of the our other policyholders have paid us. But when we do make a payment, if it's done quickly and we explain it fully and we answer those questions, that's what gives us the highest ratings. So purely from a selfish standpoint, we want to be rated high. Why? Because we want to do a good job, both legally and morally, and we want you to tell your friends so we'll have more customers. More customers means, you know, that we're going to have a bigger base of customers, both to make a profit from as well as to help people if, if, if and when people have claims. So it's a positive for us all around to be right there and quickly answer the phone, always a live person, always in the U.S., in fact, almost always in Florida, and to have that individual be able to walk you through, be someone licensed, and be able to connect that consumer, your consumer, your, as an agent, your customer, with whatever assistance they need, whether it's water mitigation, board up, or the adjuster, where he or she is going to come out to the property and determine the damages and be able to get you a check. Sometimes, you know, in a cat, it could be right there on the spot. So, yeah, yeah I, you're, I, you're right. Seen that, yeah. Is it a, please. I, I was just going to say, the when you can talk to a client after they've had a loss – everything just calms down you know it the the expectation of money i i think it grows over time so the longer they're in this limbo of well you know is someone working on it uh, you know did they get my claim are they going to approve me all this doubt kind of creeps in and then um you know they they start having this adversarial reaction like um, you know, I paid all this money for all these years and I've never had a claim. Now I have a claim. Now, you know, uh, what's going to happen? You know, they, they, you know, owe me this, they owe me that. Rather, if you address the claim as it occurs and tell them exactly what the steps are, okay, we're going to send someone out. They're going to look at the damage. They're going to see if, if there's coverage in your policy, then they're going to itemize a, uh, you know, a claim sheet to, to, you know, assess the damages. And then, you know, if everything checks out the, the, uh, the checks in the mail, or they'll do direct deposit or however you, you slice it up. But I, I think having that, that clear next step, um, is, pr it probably would save the state of Florida you know, millions of dollars in, uh, you know, litigated claims or, um, you know, loss amounts just from being responsive. Um, so, you know, you being a, a, a founder of Florida Peninsula, you know, I, I think that you guys understand, um, you know, the responsiveness after a loss. But <clears throat> I want to take a, 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 a uh, turn here and and let's look at what happens after a hurricane occurs we're still well within hurricane season right now um and i've experienced this you know over the years that um if there is a loss um during the before and after a hurricane unfortunately you know folks you know, may not really understand that the the hurricane warning is what triggers the hurricane deductible, not the hurricane. And um, I, I did a little video about this, um, you know, before uh, this last hurricane is that, 
you know, a warning anywhere in the state triggers that hurricane deductible. And then it's, then it's kind of game time for the insurance agents, too, to be proactive and get that message out there because you want to be able to minimize any loss, obviously, during a hurricane. But obviously, uh, you know, it becomes even more important, if, even if you're not in the path of a hurricane, because your hurricane deductible still applies. But what are some of the losses, some of the, the common insurable losses uh, that you folks tend to see after a, a big storm occurs or a hurricane occurs? Absolutely. Uh, and and I'll, I'll touch on what you said as I get into those types of claims and damages that uh, for people who are, are geeks like us and they want to look up Florida statute 627.4025, 627.4025. Uh, as I know you've talked about before, what is a hurricane, right? When when those damages occur, what is a hurricane? When do those exclusions or limitations apply? And when does the deductible kick in? And as you said, if there's a, a warning uh, or a watch for any part of Florida, right, issued by the NHC. So the National Hurricane Center says there is a watch or warning for any part of Florida. At that point... Uh, as long as some kind of condition, uh, hurricane conditions pass through the state of Florida, any wind damage that occurs in the state of Florida, anywhere in the state of Florida, until 72 hours after the last hurricane watcher warning is issued, is considered a hurricane loss. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, the hurricane was in Pensacola and I'm in Miami. That shouldn't be a hurricane loss. And the fact is, it is a hurricane loss under those conditions. So that's the first thing, as I know you've gone over, agents and customers uh, really need to, to kind of understand that it doesn't matter what the wind speed is at your, pers- at your property. It may matter for damage assessments and things of that nature. But in terms of, is it a hurricane, and so the hurricane deductible and other elements apply, that's the first thing we look at. Was there a watcher warning? Was there a hurricane condition somewhere in the state at some point? And is it, you know, prior to the termination of those 72 hours after the last watcher warning was issued? If so, any damage anywhere in the state from wind, et cetera, is going to be a hurricane uh, type of damage. And, of course, the, the deductible is very different because instead of having a 500 or $1,500 or $2,500 deductible, you know, you might have a 5000 10000 20000 30000 you know, it could be a $50,000 deductible. And so that makes a big difference. And I think one of the things that, that agents can do, and I know agents are, are you know, we're overworked. I mean, there is, you've got tons of customers and they all, they all have needs. And it's, it's very different than us as an insurance carrier. You know, we've got, you know, all kinds of outside companies and internal personnel overseeing that. You know, a lot of, a lot of you know, guys like you are, you know, you have the expertise but you don't necessarily have 100 people running around to answer questions, right? Because you, you want to do it as efficiently as possible and service your customers as best you can, which is, you know, extremely well. But in these types of situations, um, you know, the agents can play a role in helping us uh, contact their customers and say, listen, you know, this is going to be your deductible. And so it's important to make sure you've got some money saved. A lot of people don't have any money saved for this. And it's important if a hurricane rolls through and you have a $5,000 deductible, 2% of your property, uh, of a $500,000 property, 2% is 10000 or 2% of six 600 is three 3000 Do you have $3,000 put away for that deductible so that you'll be able to re- repair that damage? Because the insurance carrier 
isn't going to give you all of it. You, we, we can't. That's built into the finances, right? You've got to, everyone's got to kind of pony up for that beginning portion for hurricanes. And yeah, part I, of the damage is like you, sorry, I, I was you want to say, jump on I, in there. I mean, it, it, every agent listening to this, um, if you've been doing it, you know, for more than one year, you've seen a, a deck page roll across your desk that's got a $250 auto deductible and then a $2,500 AOP deductible and a 2% or a 5% hurricane deductible. And, you know, never has the agent talked to the client <laughs> about, you know, why would you carry such a low deductible on your auto? Clearly you, you see the, the importance of having a low deductible there, but then you've, you know, really uh, seeded a lot of risk back to yourself when it comes to um, any claim concerning your home. Um, and, and not to not to give it away, but w we are going to be talking to, um, to a, uh, a company that, that um, can help people out with their hurricane deductible. So I don't, I don't want to spoil too much, but that, that is going to be in a future episode. But um, we uh, we think that it's important enough to talk about it because as insurance agents, we're kind of uh, helping people out with uh, their finances, really. I mean, you know, we're we're trying to manage uh, hopefully what never happens to them. But if it does, you know, they're they're going to have money to repair, replace um, or maybe enough money that uh, it's not going to be a catastrophic loss. And uh, it's unfortunate that. Um, to make the property market viable in Florida, we've we've really uh, gotten accustomed to these huge deductibles. Um, that if for any other insurance product, people would say, "No, that's unreasonable. I'm not. I don't want to, you know, pay ten thousand uh, dollars, you know, deductible. That that's outrageous." But um, it's a. It, you've made a great point, and that is that we do have the finances are a bit different. Um, and one of the things you brought up at the beginning was, you know, Florida is gets hit by hurricanes. Florida has, you know, more types of claims and, and, uh, and it's, it's expensive as you've talked about, but let's face it, we're, we're, it, we're, our name is Florida Peninsula. We're on a peninsula, right? And there's water on three sides of us. And in fact, if you count the panhandle, that's almost like a fourth side. So we're exposed to the, to the ocean and, and all of its, its, grief and its vengeance and, and the wind and the water. And so it's, you know, living here is going to cost people some money, whether it's taxes, whether it's insurance, um, you know, building codes are, are higher up here and thus it costs more to build something up here. And so that's, that's something we all choose when we choose to live in Florida. We don't have to live here, but if you want to live here, it's absolutely something to consider. And that is that, you know, part of what makes it the payments affordable is that individuals are going to cover a certain amount of that lower level uh, damage to their own property. And as you said, why most agents, I mean, obviously when you sit down, you're a top agent, you meet with your, your customers and you go over, well, let's make sure that across the board, we can afford these types of deductibles. And let's take a look at what the cost would be if we raise the deductible. Um, and let's take a look at what the cost would be is if we if we lower it and we we take on less or more responsibility. Yeah. And some of the smaller uh, homes, you know, the five hundred dollar deductible for hurricane is uh, strangely uh, similar in price to the two percent or the five percent. So, 
Um, I, I'm curious how many agents really upsell the uh, those flat deductibles versus the calendar year, and um, you know the the benefits that it would provide because. I think people naturally don't think that anything bad is ever going to happen, but um, looking at it from the opposite viewpoint, one of the things that I like to ask people is, if a hurricane occurred, what would you want the insurance company to pay for? And looking at it from that aspect, you you can write a policy with very clear um you know, intentions, because when they tell you, oh, well, I want them to replace everything in my home, I want them to, you know, if my roof blows away, I, I don't want to, you know, pay $20,000. I want to, I want to pay as little as possible. Okay, well, then based on that, let's go this route. Or somebody might say, listen, I, I really don't care. I, I, you know, there's, there's coastal properties that, um, you know, they they can afford a $25,000 deductible. They understand, you know, they're on the hook for it, and that's okay, too. I mean, we're not here to make them do things, you know, the way that we would do them. It's here's your options. You pick the one that, that you know, is the best fit for you, and, you know, there's no surprises at the end of the day. That, that That's right. One thing we don't want is surprises. And we want to make sure that, that our agents, that us, that we're, all of us are working to educate the, the consumer to make sure that they understand, you know, what's going to be covered, what's not going to be covered. And, and you asked about, you know, what are those, type, those common type of claims and damages, and I, uh, I got off onto the definition of the hurricane. But obviously the number one type of damage we see from hurricanes is going to be roof damage. And so making sure that, you know, you've got your roof is repaired – um, if you're putting on a new roof that it's done to code and that everything is done, you know, the way it, it has to be done so that it's, it's safe because it's obviously physically unsafe if you don't have a, a good roof, right? If you're in there um, and you're staying in place during a storm, you, you, that roof better be solid. And so, you know, you don't want to pay somebody on the side to, to do a job and not, not oh, we're not going to get the permits. No, it's got to be done right because that roof damage, that's going to be the number one portion of the house that gets attacked from wind. Think about it. It's up high. There's nothing blocking it. And especially if you have a gable roof, uh, you know, those, it doesn't take a lot of wind for those things to get popped off. So you need to make sure um, that, that your roof is solid. And if you need to have someone inspect it, get it done. Um, you know, other items, additional living expenses. People don't realize they're going to be out of their house. Their kitchens don't work. Um, they're, they're, it's blocked. Uh, or the city says you can't you can't go to your property. So where are you going to stay? Do you have money to stay at a hotel? Do you have money to stay for to pay for your groceries? Um, especially if you can't get to work, and maybe you're an hourly employee. Uh, so you know you've got to consider that type of ALE, the additional living expenses, and and, and um, you know we have to explain that to our customers. What about lightning strikes? They cause fires. They destroy your a lot of your property. The food gets spoiled, uh, and oftentimes they cause fires. And so that's something, even though there are, there's rain coming down from a hurricane, remember, the hurricanes don't always have rain. There's plenty of parts of the hurricane, like the eye, where there is no rain. And so, you know, you're not going to rely on rain to put out a fire that starts from lightning, especially if it's an internal fire, because something gets shorted out. Um, you get people with wind-driven rain, 
entering their house or their condo unit. That's going to destroy floors. Have you priced floors lately, right? right? Floors, tile, wood, carpeting, it's expensive. And so making sure you've got enough money put aside for your deductible, making sure it's low enough and it's something you can afford, and making sure that as agents and as customers, we have the most coverage we can afford within reason that makes sense, as you said, to our lifestyle and our needs is super critical. So um, you touched on the rain. Uh, obviously, roofs are the, the biggest uh, expense item, you know, after a hurricane, because that's the most uh, widely, um, you know, seen damage for, from the hurricane is, is the wind damage that, that starts to take apart the roof. But when we have something like Hurricane Irma that just really stalls and dumps a lot of rain, not necessarily high wind speeds, but it just dumps a lot of rain, uh, obviously there's, there's flooding. And I don't know if, if, how, how common it is that you take calls from clients uh, it's a weekend or maybe the office is closed, the insurance agent's office is closed because of the inclement weather. And so you're the first person they talk to and they say, you got to help. My entire house is underwater. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it ends up being a tough conversation, right? Yeah, and I feel bad for. I mean, these are real people on the other end of the phone, on both ends of the phone. You know, you, you're sympathetic. But at some point, the ball got dropped, and either the person assumes that flood is covered by their homeowner's policy or just hopes that it is, and, it's, and it, it may not be. Um, you know, what, another thing that, that you hope, I guess, is if you're, the, uh, if you're the claim rep is maybe they think that their NFIP policy or their, their, you know, their other flood policy is through us. Maybe I can uncover, you know, uh, where that's located, but hopefully on the front end, um, you're offering the, uh, flood, uh, you know, coverage and there, there are other ways to cover flood than just the NFIP. So, uh, um, do you want to talk any about the, the the flood endorsement i know every company is a little bit different but um florida peninsula as i understand has a flood endorsement yes and we are our family of companies we have florida peninsula we also have edison insurance company um as you know so uh, when i talk about them i'm talking about both typically although you know like anything there may be different small differences in programs but uh, you know First of all, I tell people what a flood is, and I try to explain and educate um, you know, consumers what a flood is. And it's basically anytime water hits the ground. So if there's water on the ground, uh, that's going to be some type of – that's going to be a flood. It could be from a hurricane or a, a tidal overflow or a river overflowing, which you, know, you see on the news. But it could be an, uh, maybe a clogged drainage system. So the drainage system um, on the street just – gets clogged up, a rapid accumulation of rain, and it rushes into your house. And you and I know something like 85% or more of American homeowners don't even have flood insurance. That, that's unbelievable because, you know, we explain it to consumers. It's not an expensive coverage. Yes, I understand people are going through a lot. But, you know, do, are you, do you want to go through a lot and then if there's a flood go through even more? Of course not. And so as, as tough as it is, it's important to, to, to lock down and go to your agent 
and get that flood insurance, even if you don't feel like spending a, another $300 a year. Because we know that one inch of water in your house can cost at least $20,000, 20 grand from one inch of water in your house. And so in order for us as you know, Florida Peninsula and Edison, but, but other, other companies as well, to try to resolve that, you've got the, the NFIP. And of course, you know, by the time uh, you know, someone might be listening to this podcast right when it comes out or sometime later and limits change, of course. But you, know, you may have for the, the National Flood Insurance Program a limit of up to $250,000 in, you know, in building coverage, whereas for us in our, um, our specialized program, we have for an HO3 for homes, we have up to $2 million in coverage and up to a million for condo units. And whereas, you know, the NFIP might give you 100000 or so in, uh, in contents, we offer up to a million dollars in contents if you have that amount. So, you know, there may be no ALE where we offer a loss of use uh, type limit. And so those are some of the differences. The deductibles. The, I think the NFIP's lowest deductible is about $1,000. We offer a $500 deductible. And so it's not just us. Other private carriers that people should check, of course, and, and agents that work with those carriers would know. But there are differences. And if you want to have sufficient funds after a flood rolls through, which, again, happens in 90% of all natural disasters in the U.S. involve flooding, right? And in the past year, uh, floods cost Americans $20 billion dollars. And so making sure that everybody is covered from flood needs to be the number one responsibility of people like you, and I know you take it seriously as a top agent, but people like me too, to get out and say, hey, people, we need to get, we need to get flood insurance. You need to be protected because it's, it's, you don't want to have this type of damage happen, $20 billion in the last year. You don't want to be a part of that. Right, and you know one of the interesting things about – the flood endorsement versus NFIP, and there's and there's going to be some pros to the NFIP um, over the flood endorsement. Not as not as many as you would think, but you know when you get into some situations of grandfathering, if they're willing to accept ACV on their on their losses, I mean we can really go down that rabbit hole. But um, the yep. thing that I like about the flood endorsement over the NFIP, um, and, and different companies do it differently. It usually is tacked on to the homeowner's policy to uh, strip away the exclusion that's found on the homeowner's policy. And, and again, different companies will do it differently, and it could change you know, from time to time. So read the actual words, read the whole policy. But when you do that, you take a policy um, – like a special risk policy or all perils, whatever you want to call it, uh, that basically every direct physical loss is covered. Then you start stripping away coverage. Flood was, you know, is one of those things that's stripped away. And if it's added back, um, you know, there are things that the NFIP policy um, is not going to cover. A flood in the NFIP policy um, you, you know, if you're in a rural area, and I am, um, if it doesn't affect, you know, a uh, wide uh, number of acres, if it doesn't affect more than two, uh, you know, homes that are, that are next to each other, you could potentially have a situation where you have a client that has a flood policy 
and the flood is not covered through the NFIP because it's not classified as a flood. So, you know, in, in those kind of situations, um, I really think the endorsement not only offers a higher settlement uh, cost, uh, you know, because it's, it's usually replacement cost, the deductibles can be smaller, but it also would apply in a lot more situations than the standalone NFIP policy. Um, I, so, you've, na you've nailed it. And I think when you look at some of those types of, of advantages, remember, flood has a 30-day kind of lockout waiting period. Private companies like us have 15 days, sometimes less. So, you know, you're entering a season, you don't want to wait 30 days to have that flood coverage. You go to a private carrier, again, depending on, on where they write eligibility and all those great things as we love to talk about. But if you get it, it could be a week or two as opposed to 30 days. Uh, you brought up a great point, replacement cost versus actual cash value, whereas the actual cash value on the NFIP of up to 100000 as opposed to companies like us, that you can choose ACV or replacement cost, new for new. You, you know, you have a computer damage, you get the new value of that computer to go to Apple today and buy it and not a four-year-old computer. What's that worth? $122.37. So it's important to be able to see those differences and for, you know, good agents like you and, and companies like us to talk about it and say, this is why it's better for you. If something, God forbid, happens and it happened to the tune of $20 billion last year, and it happened to the tune of 90% of all natural disasters involved US, in the U.S. involved flooding, uh, it's important to have that kind of coverage, whether or not you, you just want you know, $100 for your computer, or do you want to be able to walk into a store with a check for three grand and buy a brand new computer? Those are the types of decisions that all of all the, the customers and homeowners need to make um, and, you know, I hope people choose to protect themselves because it's it's so important that, you know, people like you and I are out there trying to talk it up and, and, and not to say uh, you, you kind of joked around that it's a little bit boring and that's true. Right. But in the same sense, what's more exciting than protecting people after natural disasters roll through after a fire guts your house? We're the guys and gals that can come in and, and save the day and help people. And so to me, that's exciting. And every day I get up and I say, wow, how can I help people understand that, that protecting themselves is what puts themselves on financial footing, like you said. We are financial planners in some way, and that's one part of the puzzle for people. So I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of uh, flood coverage too much because there was a huge change uh, to the NFIP program with risk rating 2.0. And in my opinion, it is not good for your clients in um, the preferred zones. Those, you know, I, I, we'll talk more about that in a future episode, but uh, insurance agents should really familiarize themselves with the flood endorsement, actually what it says, why it's superior, or, you know, some of the, maybe some of the downsides of going um, with the flood endorsement. And uh, another thing, another little wrinkle uh, no one really thinks about is when you deal with that lender that they don't know insurance, they don't care, their little sheet says they need this form on, you know, it's supposed to look at like this in this format, and then you slide over just a homeowner's page, and then you tell them, yeah, flood's covered. 
as an agent, not only do you have to explain coverage to your clients, but you also have to be prepared at a moment's notice to really, you know, uh, fight back at a lender that's trying to tell you, no, 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 we need it this way. So, you know, have if you're going to do the flood endorsement, in my opinion, it's, it would be a good idea to just have a one-pager ready to go for a lender that's clearly going to have some questions about the flood endorsement because a lot of them, um, they don't see that, that uh, built-in flood probably as much in other states. I, I could be wrong, but uh, Florida's probably one of those states where uh, we have a lot of coastal property, a lot of tidal water. So I would assume there's uh, people more willing to go out into the private market and really s explore some exotic options rather than just the, you know, what people have always done, which is NFIP and, and that program. So just a little tip for insurance agents. I, I used to be a loan officer, so I, I know, you know, when the underwriter says that they need, you know, X, Y, and Z, you better give them exactly what they're asking for. And if not, you better have, you know, a concrete uh, explanation why they're not getting exactly what they're asking for. Um, but uh, changing gears a little bit, because we have a lot of new um, insurance agents in Florida, uh, we see kind of this, this explosion of young people, um, you know, starting to get into insurance. A lot of, of the gray beards are, are, you know, slowly, you know, leaving the industry and it's, it's leaving a vacuum that a lot of younger people are starting to fill. If they're not familiar with the property market in, in Florida, specifically homeowners, what kind of advice would you give to young insurance professionals getting into this business? Uh, what kind of conversations should they be having with clients? Another, another excellent question and, and really thought about, about a lot of these areas. And I know you're, uh, you're, you're kind of a scholar on these things. You like to read a lot about these areas. So I, I appreciate these questions. They're, they're phenomenal. And, you know, people that get into the industry, first of all, we're happy people are getting in the, into the industry. I mean, there is what we call, right, the graying of the industry. Now, you know, I'm, I'm no spring, spring chicken. I'm in my 50s, but I'm still younger than two of our guys on the board of directors that are in their 70s. And so, you know, we, I, you know this is I'm, – I'm, you know, running my departments right now, but I'm not going to be doing it 20 or 30 years from now. It's the next generation. And so in all of these areas, I mean, right now we probably have, I don't know, 15 jobs we're looking to, we're looking to hire at, at our company. And so getting people, young people, into the industry, whether as agents or in our side of the property, casualty, in-house, IT jobs, special investigations, claims, marketing, you know, you name it, underwriting, there's a huge need for these kinds of, of, of people that have the desire to learn. And you really don't need to have 72 degrees and know how to do calculus for most of these jobs. I mean, let's be honest. You need to have a good head on your shoulders, and you need to like to read and, and learn about it. And that's it. And if you're a hard worker, you know, that's, that's what I tell people. Learn everything you can. Um, you know, meet with as many agents as you can. I know that you've talked about it before that networking is one of the most important areas for, for young agents. Um, and so getting, making sure that you have that kind of mentorship network um, is, is key. Learning who the people are at various insurance companies and who's in their underwriting department. Connect with an underwriter so you can call up and say, hey, listen, Jane, you know, Joe, 
I've got this property. What do you think about it? Um, before I submit it, do you think it's something you guys are interested in? Because I might have 10 more that are similar. Having that kind of relationship, oh, I could never call an insurance company. That's not true. Not every, you know, there are large companies in the state of Florida, but there are a lot of companies like ours. Uh, and, you know, we're still a, a good sized company. I mean, our coverage, A, we probably insure, you know, over $40 billion in, in homes and condo units in the state of Florida. But there are, you know, much bigger companies out there who will remain nameless. But there's a lot of solid companies that are in what, like us that are medium-range companies that still have plenty of money in the bank and reinsurance and surplus to protect everybody, but we can offer better service, etc. Those are the kinds of, of companies that agents should definitely look to write with and get relationships with. So that's my advice. Call up, meet them, have them come to your office. Our director of special investigations will put on a free tutorial at your office for what to look for to see if there's some kind of fraud going on, right? So you don't get dinged with that. Um, we put on legal seminars. We put on continuing education seminars for free in all, all over the place in, in the state of Florida. And so connecting like that is so key. That's what I would say is my number one piece of advice. I want to thank Stacy Giulianti, Florida Peninsula Insurance Company, for taking so much time out of his day uh, to listen to me ramble and interrupt him several times. We had a little bit of an audio issue, um, and when I re-recorded the ending, um, didn't really turn out the way I wanted it to. So I wanted to just um, leave you with one last uh, personal story uh, that I have about Florida Peninsula. Uh, this was about three years ago. I went to my first FAI convention, didn't know anybody there. So, you know, everybody's a friend. I just, you know, walked up and introduced myself to whoever would uh, shake my hand, basically. And as I'm waiting for one of the workshops to start, uh, the gentleman next to me, uh, we, we struck up a conversation about insurance. He was very patient, uh, answered a lot of, you know, questions I had. And uh, it turns out it was Clint, the president of Florida Peninsula. I had no idea. I'd never met him before. And uh, shortly after that uh, interaction, he was up on stage uh, receiving the award for the uh, Trusted Choice Partner of the Year Award. So, um, you know, these are great down-to-earth people that they have uh, at Florida Peninsula Insurance Company. If you're not appointed with them, um, I would encourage you to at least, uh, you know, look at their product offering. See if it makes uh, sense for your market, for your uh, agency. And uh, to piggy off of the last thing that uh, Stacy said, you know, if you're interested in getting connected with our industry, uh, check out our website, insuranceonlocation.com. There's a calendar of events. Um, obviously, with COVID, things are fluid and, and events might get postponed or are canceled or rescheduled, depending on uh, what's going on with that. And obviously, we want everybody to be safe. But um, it is going to be a good resource to uh, compile a lot of different associations together to see, you know, what uh, the right event for you is in your area. And uh, hopefully I will uh, see you in person soon. So thanks for listening.